119. Psalm 119. I have two messages on my heart uh, in the last few moments as I've been praying as we're talking up here even and just trying to figure out what the Lord wants me to do. And uh, so we're going to start on one. If it flops, we'll switch gears and go to the other. We'll hit the reset button and start with a new one. All right. uh, Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible and certainly a a joy to read the Psalms. As a teenager, I had a fellow tell me one time, said uh, you ought to read one proverb a day, especially as a young person. It helps you gain wisdom and coordinate the chapter with the day of the month. And uh, sometimes you don't get to read the uh, 31st chapter on a month that only has 30 days but as a guy that was okay because that's on the virtuous woman and I didn't feel like I really needed lessons on you know being a virtuous woman uh but uh but it was beneficial to you know to read that but when I got to college I had a professor say if you'll read one psalm a day it'll change your life and so I began reading one psalm a day and it changed my life in fact when my wife and I were at college uh and we would meet in the morning for breakfast uh we would read one psalm a day together and uh, that's how we started the day off, and uh, was with uh, reading a psalm a day. And uh, certainly a joy to study the psalms and uh, to hear the heart of the psalmist. Now, the psalmist, didn't, David didn't write all of them, but he certainly compiled all of them, and he wrote most of them. And uh, he uh, is accredited for writing the 119th psalm. We'll begin in verse number 1. We'll read the first eight verses. It's interesting that... Uh, the Psalm 119 is a chapter, and I know Pastor just within the last year has done a series on this chapter, uh, is written in octets, eight verses apiece, and then it moves on to another one, and it's uh, written uh, in a very poetic way. But I want us to look at the first eight verses tonight. Uh, the Bible teaches us in verse number one, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Father, we pray that you'll bless uh, the time that we have around your word, that we will learn some things, some truths that will be a help to us, that will encourage us. And Father, we want to grow in the Christian life. We want to draw closer to you. And Lord, we ask that you would instruct and guide tonight in our hearts through the teaching of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we want to be empowered, not just Uh, to go through the Christian life, mundane and average. But, Lord, we want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do a great work in the time that you've allowed us here on this earth. Lord, you've given us a great responsibility to reach our generation entirely with the gospel. And, Lord, we are failing miserably at that because we do not see young people and, and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas that seek for your Holy Spirit's power to do the work that you've given us that you've commanded us, that you've commissioned us to do in our lifetime. And so, Father, I pray that you would help to revive our hearts, that there would be a new hunger and a new thirst for your Holy Spirit to do a work in us and through us. Because, Lord, we understand and we know that without his enabling, without his power and without his strength, there's nothing that we can do of our own, nothing that would be accomplished that would bring any glory to you at all if it's through our own efforts. 
So we do ask tonight, especially during the preaching time, as pastors uh, up in Colorado, that you would put your hand of blessing on him as he preaches, and Father, that your Holy Spirit would empower him. Give him traveling mercies as he returns to us, and give a hand of protection around him. And then, Father, that you would give power tonight, and that you would strengthen our hearts and our ears. Lord, many people are weary, especially in the middle of the week, having worked already. And physically, I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would give us the attention that we need as we study these verses tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In Psalm 119, you'll find that the psalmist is writing primarily about God's Word. In fact, Psalm 119 and verse 105 is where we find the great verse that we learn as a young person. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the Bible is there for our instruction to illuminate the pathway, if you will. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as we get to the passage this this evening. And then I also want you to know that uh, in verses 9 and 10 and 11, uh, in that area, the Bible teaches about a young man cleansing his way. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so we're going to find some things here. And if you have a pen, uh, I wish that you would at least take notes. If you're not in the habit of writing in your Bible, uh, I'm going to give you a lot of information on eight verses tonight. And we're going to leave here and you're going to be like drinking water out of a fire hydrant. There's going to be so much packed in these eight verses. And we're not going to do it justice tonight, certainly uh, for sake of time. But I want you to look at several things here in verses 1 through 8 as I go through it again. And if you're used to underlining, you can underline or at least write these down in the, in the, uh, uh, some place where you keep notes. The Bible teaches us in verse number 1, blessed. I want to stop right there for a moment and say this, that any time God's Word says blessed, I stop what I'm doing and I want to focus in on that. Because I don't know about you, but I want God's hand of blessing on my life. And if he's getting ready to tell me what causes a person to be blessed by him, I want in on it. I want to know what it is that brings God's blessing on a life. And the psalmist says here right at the onset in Psalm 119, Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Boy, there's so much in this. We're going to come back to verse 1, but I want you to understand this, that God blesses a man that remains unspotted from the world. Does not necessarily say here sinners, because if he were to say sinners, then we would say, oh boy, I tell you, uh, there's some things about that that I think I, I, I'm okay on. I don't really necessarily sin, but I, I get involved or entangled with things of this world, and I may not be sinning against God, but it may still not bring God's blessing, because what God's speaking about here is a person who separates himself from the, the, the uh, world spots or the things that would draw us uh, by our lust and entice us to sin. And so he says, blessed are the undefiled. We are kept from defilement. Years ago, a young lady who was the daughter of one of the old coal, coal mine owners went with her father to visit one of the coal mines. And she had a brand new dress on. It was uh, very white in color and just had very little color in it but other than white and The uh, owner and his daughter were getting ready to go into the mine to tour the mine. And the foreman of the shaft said, ma'am, you're going to need to stay out here. And she said, oh, no, I'm going where my father goes. And he said, well, you'll get that dress all discolored because of the coal. And she got agitated and upset because she was very arrogant. And she said, well, who do you think you are? You can't keep me from going 
into that cold, uh, into that uh, mine shaft with my white dress on. And he said, no, ma'am, I can't, but I can guarantee you, you won't come out with a white dress. Because it's impossible to get in that environment and not be defiled. And so the Bible teaches us, and the psalmist understands this and recognizes this, that someone that is undefiled in the way is someone who keeps himself from being entangled with the affairs of this life, which we find in, in Philippians chapter 2, I believe it is. I'm sorry, in Second Timothy, I believe it is. That a soldier does not entangle himself with the affairs of this life. That we don't get bogged down with the world spots and the enticements of the world. So that's where the blessed man comes in. A man who will stay separated. A man who will stay undefiled. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And there's the first word I want you to focus in on. The law of the Lord. Now we all know what the law is. It is the Old Testament uh, law that has been given to the Israelites primarily. And, uh, of course, at Calvary, the law was done away with, and a New Testament or a New Covenant was ushered in uh, with the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we all know what the law is. And then we find in verse number 2, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Testimonies, that's another word that we're going to look at tonight. All of these are different words that are used that have slightly different meanings to, to basically include all of God's Word. His testimonies, that which speaks about God. Well, does the Bible teach us about God? Absolutely. In fact, when we read our Bibles, we ought never come to the Bible and read it just so we can read the Word of God, but we ought to be reading about the God of the Word. We ought to be looking at the verses saying, what does this teach me about God? What is the testimony of Scripture about the great God that I serve and that I love? And so we find that we're to keep His testimonies. And that seek him with the whole heart. Verse number 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. So a lot of things about this blessed man. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy, here's the next word, precepts. So right now I've got three words so far. We have law in verse number 1. We have testimonies in verse number 2. And we have precepts in verse number 4. Precepts are the decrees of God. Those things which have been established of old which do not change. We find in verse number 5, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. And we find the next word that we're looking for here. Statutes. Solid, rock solid, unmovable, unchangeable. Verse number 6, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy, here's the next word, commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous, here's the next word, judgments. The judgments of God. And I will keep thy statue, so forsake me not utterly. So we have several words here. And if you'll take time to study those several words, you will find them throughout the entire, book, or the entire chapter of Psalm 119. In fact, it would be a great study for some of you to sit down maybe this week and spend uh, uh, probably a week on this one chapter and just go through. And every time you find one of those words, underline them. And then read the verse and find out what is it that it's telling me about God's word so we find these things are involved in the blessed man. The blessed man keeps himself undefiled in the way. Verse number 2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies. So not only are they undefiled in the way, but they're also going to keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. The rest of the evening, I want you to think about two things tonight. We find the first one in verse number 1. The Bible says, blessed are the undefiled in the way. The way. It's an indefinite article here. 
Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Let me just say this. It is assumed here. The psalmist doesn't even have to state it. It is implied in verse number 1 that there is a way for every person. God has planned it for you. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in verse number 3, they also do no iniquity. They walk in, what's the next word there? His ways. So in verse number 1, the Bible says that we're to be undefiled in the way, the way that God has ordained, the way that God has given to us. In Hebrews chapter number 12, in verse number 1, we are to run the race with patience that is set before us. That's the wording that's used. Run with patience. The race is set before us. There's a way that God has for every man and every woman, every child in this room tonight. And it is His way. And we are most blessed and we are most satisfied and we are most joyful when we, when we live within the way. It's when we start to buck the rule, when we start to push the edge, when we start to step over that line that we begin to have a, a discomfort in the Christian life. And we begin to have sorrow in the Christian life and we begin to reap what we've sown because we've stepped out of the way. And the psalmist boils down the Christian life here in these eight verses into one of two choices. And I'm not oversimplifying the Christian life, but every Christian's life is a choice between one of two things. God's way or my way. Look with me. The Bible says here in verse number 5, the psalmist starts off with an exclamatory uh, statement here. Oh, oh, so we know that there's great emotion, there's great intensity here, and the psalmist is torn by this. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. The psalmist was saying, Lord, I know you have a way for me. And as long as I stay within that boundary, I will be most satisfied, most joyful, and, and most happy in the Christian life. But the minute that I begin to do my own thing and do my way, I begin to have sadness and sorrow in life. By the way, let me just say this. When we were lost and undone without Christ, we were following after Satan, weren't we? We were doing his ways. And would you agree with me tonight that there is never a time that Satan's ways and God's ways go the same direction? They are completely and utterly opposite. Now, if you understand the old flesh nature and the, what I want to do with my life, you'll understand that my ways want to gravitate and pull towards the way of the devil. That's the old human nature. That's my way. I've been, I've, been, uh, I've been grounded in that for so many years before the Lord saved my soul. And when he did, he created in us a, a new a spirit. And, and the Bible teaches us that we are quickened or made alive. A new spirit comes to live within us, the Holy Spirit of God. And now we have a, a draw or a tug or a pull towards the things of the Lord. Some of you can remember back to your old lost life, can't you? Had no desire at all to go to church. Had no desire at all to read the Bible. Why? Because the old nature just was pulling and pulling and pulling. There was nothing pulling you the other way. We get saved in that new nature. That new spirit wants to pull us towards God's way. And the psalmist says it's this. Here's, here's the secret of the Christian life. To take our way and bring it in line 
with God's way. Notice he doesn't say, oh, that God's ways were my ways. He's not asking God to move. He wants God to stay right where he's at. He's saying, I want to take my ways, my desires, my, my lusts, my, the, the things in my life that draw me to sin. I want to take those things and I want to surrender them and I want to get them over here where God's way is. It's that simple. The Christian life is not a lot of exegeting of great hidden doctrine in Scripture. It's a simple choice every single day. When I wake up in the morning and my feet hit the ground, I decide, am I going to have my way today or am I going to bring myself into captivity and give it to God and say, I want God's way in my life today. Every day it's that simple. Oh, that my ways were thy ways. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. That brings us to the how. We know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to surrender our will and our way to God's way. How in the world do we accomplish that? As a kid, I listened to a lot of preaching growing up, and I was raised in a pastor's home and went to youth conferences, and I don't know how many times I'd hear great preaching it was motivational, it was stirring, and the truth would get into my heart. And I remember even shedding tears and coming down the aisle and kneeling here at the altar and saying, uh, Lord, I want to give that area of my life. I want to give you that decision in my life. And, and then I would get up from that place and, and still moved with emotion, go back to my seats. And the counselors would talk with us. And all the way home, we were excited because we all decided we're going to follow Jesus. And we get home. And then we'd hit the real world. And we'd say, but how? How do I do it? Oh, I know I ought to. I remember that preaching. I ought to do it. But how? Spurgeon said this, the prince of preachers. Charles Spurgeon said, the message begins when the application begins. So we've given you the what. We know what we're supposed to do. Now let's look at the Bible and see what does God tell us about how we're to do this. Can we do that this evening? And we'll be done. Look with me in verse number 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who, what's the next word there? Walk. They're not sitting down stagnant in the Christian life. They're moving forward. They're trying to grow. They're stretching. They're striving. They walk in the way. What way? What way? God's way. They're walking in God's way. They're moving in the direction God wants them to go. Now, in order for them to do that, they have to know <laughs> what direction God wants them to go. Would you agree with me on that? Well, let's see what verse 2 says then. Blessed are they that keep. The way we walk in His way is by keeping His testimonies. That's what verse number 2 says. The testimonies are that which tell us about God in His Word. So in order for us to be in His way, we've got to know which direction His way is, and we've got to know what His way is. We find that in His Word by keeping His testimonies and that seek. You see that word there? That seek Him with the whole heart. The only way we're ever going to know which direction God wants us to go and the only way we're ever going to stay in the center of His way is to spend time walking with Him in His Word. And on our knees in prayer, throughout the day, saying, Lord, what will you have me do in this situation? 
Oh, that we would spend more time seeking God's direction on decisions that we make every day of our lives than we would actually doing the things that we decide ourselves. That we would seek for God's leading on them. That we would take just a brief moment in prayer and say, Lord, I'm at a crossroads. I've got to make a determination today. I've got to make this decision. Lord, what do you want me to do? And by the way, God's promised He would lead us in that area. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall. That word shall, I love it. Not might, not maybe. Shall direct thy paths. We just got a call on it. So we're to walk in the law of the Lord. We're to keep His testimonies. We're to seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity and they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect. And boy, here's the big one. The psalmist under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, Have respect unto all thy commandments. How many times have we read something in Scripture that rubbed our flesh nature the wrong way well i know the bible says this preacher but i just really can't i don't think i can do that that was written two thousand years ago or five thousand years ago or four thousand years ago they that, that doesn't apply today wait a minute yes it does my bible says that jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever he does not change and if it was right then it's right now you say, Brother Greg, do you have to be mean or honorary about it? No. But you've got to stand for it. That we would have respect unto all thy commandments. By the way, you know the Bible teaches this. For a Christian who loves the Lord with all of his heart, the Bible teaches us this, that the commands of God are not grievous. They are not a burden to us. They are liberating. They are liberating. I've shared this illustration before many times. My wife and I have two different concepts of driving. I believe that the speed limit is the maximum, and she believes that it's the minimum. There's a big difference in how you view speed limits. We take trips every once in a while as a family, and going down the interstate, I'll set the cruise control on the speed limit. That's fast as you can go. 67 and a 70, that's exactly right. Because my speedometer might be off in one or two, and I don't want to go over. And so you set that speedometer... You go down the interstate. There have been a few times my wife, uh, well, not a few times, most of the time when we take a trip, uh, we uh, load up the car. She gets the pillow and the blanket in the front seat with us because we know what's going to happen even though she brought 20 books to read. Before we get to the interstate, she's going to have her mouth open, drool coming out, and just sawing logs. And that happens. We go down the road, and occasionally she'll wake up and kind of bleary-eyed, and she'll look around, and she'll be awake for four or five minutes. And sometimes when she's awake like that, We'll pass a state trooper that's hiding back in the bushes somewhere. And she's like, Greg, stop, slow down, slow down. There's a state trooper there. You know why? Because she's always on the edge about that state trooper over there. Well, maybe not always. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration. But she's on edge because, boy, the police might get us. They might... Because she likes to not go 70. She goes a little more. 79, there we go. Glad she said it, not me. She sets that cruise on 79, and every time I'm sleeping, she gives me a heart attack when she hits the brakes. 
Oh, there's a policeman right there and wakes me up and jolts me awake. Now, why would you want to live your life in fear when you can set the cruise control and wave at the state troopers you go by and smile at him with great peace? I use that silly illustration. Please don't miss the point because of how funny the illustration is. But you know those that fight the law of the Lord? Those that just say, you know, I know the line's there, but I'm just going to go a little bit further. They have no peace. They have no joy. Can I say this? They have no liberty. They don't feel free. When God gives us some boundaries and we dwell inside of those ways and we say, oh, that my ways were thy ways, that the path that you give me, Lord, the joy that comes from that, the peace that comes from that, You can lay your head on a pillow at night and not worry about, did I displease God in those areas today? Having respect unto all thy commandments. In verse number 7, he says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. We find that we're to be moving forward in the Christian life. We're to be constantly learning. Some people have been saved 20, 30 years, 40 years, some of you. Some of you have been saved three or four or five years. And the danger is in the Christian life that the longer that you're saved, the less you spend time studying and learning more about God. I don't think a brand new Christian should ever be more excited about the things of the Lord than somebody who's been saved for 20 or 30 years. Because we've had 20 or 30 or 40 years to see God's goodness and God's hand of mercy. You say, oh, Brother Greg, you know, it's it just after a while you already know those things. And these new Christians that come into the church and they're all excited about the things of the Lord. You know, it's great to be excited, but let's not get too excited. Wait a minute. We're talking about the God of the universe who sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. How can we not get excited about that? Oh, that we would be constantly learning and drawing closer to him. The psalmist speaks in Psalm 119 all throughout the whole chapter about God's Word and cherishing His Word. He goes on in the next set talking about young men cleansing their ways and taking heed to the Word of God. Hiding the Word of God in our hearts that we won't sin. Why would we not want that? And so the psalmist challenges us and encourages us throughout this entire chapter To take God's word and make it paramount in our lives. That we would love it. That we would cherish it with all of our hearts. That we would cry out to God and say, Oh God, I want to keep your testimonies. I want to keep your statutes. I want to walk in your way. And I want to find your way in your word. I uh, worked with young people for a long time. And over the years I've had young people that have counseled and come and talked with me and said, Brother Greg, how do you know what God's will for your life is. And I remember when I was a teenager asking somebody, how do I know? How do I know what God's will for my life is? Well, as I got older and I began to understand Scripture a little bit better and and began working with teenagers, when they first started asking me, I didn't know what to tell them. I, didn't, I couldn't tell them how to know. And I, I would give them that old standby answer that youth workers give to young people when they ask that question. And the answer is, you just know. 
I was there. I was at that point where I said, you just know. And those of us that have been assured of God's will at some point in our lives, you know what I mean when I say you just know. Because you do. The Holy Spirit lets you know. He confirms in your heart. But that wasn't enough. It wasn't until I got a little bit older and I began to realize the importance of God's word in a believer's life. And I started realizing that the young people were asking the wrong question. We ought not to be saying, what is God's will for my life? Because we already have His will for our lives. It's right here. God is not sitting up in heaven dangling a carrot in front of us saying, try to find my will. Oh, oh, almost got it. Y'all saw that that insurance commercial? Oh, almost, almost got it. Almost got it. God's not dangling His will. God is opening a whole Bible and He's saying, look, I've got a thousand plus pages here, depending on which Bible you have, of telling you, hey, here's my will. I'm going to flash a big banner. I'm going to drag it behind an airplane. I'm going to put it in my Word. Here is my will right here. All you have to do is read it. You say, Brother Greg, are you sure about that? Absolutely. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that what? All should come to repentance. That's God's will. The Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's God's will. The Bible says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's God's will. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before His presence with singing, know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. This is God's will. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's God's will. It is full of God's will. And for a Christian to say, I don't know what God's will is, I think is one of the saddest statements in the Christian life. Now, I understand what they're asking. It took me a while, but I learned over time. They weren't asking me necessarily what God's will was for their life. They were wanting to know what God's plan for their life was. Big difference. But I've learned over the years this thing. God never reveals His plan to us unless we're already doing His will. He can't trust us with it. Unless we already know and are pursuing God's will in our lives, He never gives us a clear picture of His plan. Maybe that's why the Bible says that we may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, that my ways were thy ways, Lord. I want to take your will that I find in your book and I want to make it every day a part of my life. I want to know your will so much that my way, my old flesh nature changes just by knowing your will. My old flesh nature changes and it no longer wants its own thing. It wants what you want. When the Lord came to Isaiah and Isaiah Chapter 6, he said, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. You know what I find over and over and over and over in Scripture that is such an encouragement to me? When Samuel was living in the temple with Eli, 
a voice came to him at night said, Samuel. He went to Eli the first time and said, did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He heard the second time, Samuel. He went to Eli again. Did you call me? No, didn't call me. Go back to bed. But next time, if you hear it, say, here am I. God calls Samuel the third time. He says, Samuel. And these three words, Samuel said, here am I. God got ready to tell Abraham what to do with his son Isaac. And he said, Abraham. And Abraham said, here am I. You know how encouraging that is? These Old Testament saints knew what it was to say, Lord, it doesn't matter what you're getting ready to ask me. My answer is already yes. Just by the fact that you're the one that's asking me to do it. You know what they had learned? They had learned to take their way and move it over to where it was God's way. Lord, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. It's the secret of the Christian life. It's that simple. And can I say this? Even though it's very, very simple, it's very, very hard. It's not complicated. It's very simple. But we're proud critters, aren't we? We just want our way. Oh, that we would come to submission. I like what pastor says. Don't surrender. That, that means you've struggled with God. I'd far rather yield to Him before the struggle ever takes place. Say, Lord, if you'll show me your truth, I will walk in it. I think before we ever walk into a church service here at Keith Heights Baptist Church, before we ever come through those doors right there, we ought to pause on the step and say, Lord... Whatever you teach me this morning, my answer is already yes. The invitation is not for decision time. Decisions should have been made far before we ever got to that church service. The invitation is a time for us to respond to that decision. And oh, that we would have a group of folks, a revival of it in America, of saying, Lord, I want my way to be your way. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your word, how it teaches us. Lord, the great joy that it is to study it, to learn it. Lord, you've mentioned here, I wish we had time to develop each of these areas in this area. But you've told us to walk. You've told us to seek. You've told us to keep your commandments, your statutes, your law, your precepts, your judgments, your testimonies. Lord, you said the man that will do this is a blessed man. We see a shining example of the psalmist saying, Lord, if I could just have my way become your way. Oh, how happy we would be, how satisfied we would be in the Christian life if every single day we could say, Lord, I want my way to be thy way. Lord, give us grace daily to do that. It's not an easy thing, but it is simple. And I pray that you would help us to every day bring our bodies, our minds, our thoughts into captivity to yield them completely to you and that you would be glorified through our lives. Lord, we live in a very disturbed world right now. 
And they are desperate for some godly Christians to stand up and be a shining example of what a Christian ought to be. Matthew said it this way, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Lord, it's not about us. It's not a prideful thing. But Lord, we want to point men to you. And I pray here at Keith the Heights Baptist Church that you will give a revival of walking with you daily. Spending time in your word and spending time in prayer and loving you and drawing closer to you. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would have free course and free reign in our hearts to guide and to direct and to instruct. And Father, that we would every day yield ourselves to you anew and afresh. In Jesus' name we pray, dismiss us with your blessings. Amen. All right, God bless you. Dismissed.